This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, welcome everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure being uh, with you today. My name is uh, Jean-Jacques Barberis. I'm very happy to be with you today with uh, Monica Defend, our Global Head of Research, and Vincent Mortier, uh, our Deputy uh, CIO, uh, to uh, investigate a little bit what will be our outlook and on this outlook for the second part of the year, and maybe a little afterwards. Uh, so the idea today is really to explore what are our views for the second part of the year. Uh, and so I'm going to start uh, with the Monica Defend that unfortunately uh, is not not with us physically, but uh, with us uh, digitally uh, from Milan. Uh, in the recent weeks, uh, we've seen, I would say, a, a number of events uh, on financial markets. Uh, we've seen also as well uh, inflation figures being at levels that were not totally expected. Uh, and uh, we were a little caught by surprise uh, by the Fed uh, and its reaction that has been a little more hawkish uh, than expected as well. So. Uh, my first question, Monica, for you is, do you think we're reaching a, a tipping point of a regime shift, which is something that we have advocated for long at Amundi? And what is the base scenario you have in mind? Uh, our Amundi inflation uh, focus track uh, insights uh, shows that we are going more and more now uh, through, uh, I would say, a, a normal inflationary regime. Thank you, Jean-Jacques, and welcome to, uh, to everyone. So the uh, short answer, yes, uh, we are uh, in, a, in a regime shift, at least uh, as far as inflation uh, is regarded. Uh, just uh, to put it into uh, numbers for uh, 2021 in the U.S., we expect inflation to stay around 3.7 year-on-year average. So this is already uh, a regime shift when compared to the pre-crisis level. But let me put it just this number just a little bit uh, in, in, in a framework. Uh, first, we have a more clarity on the on the global uh, recovery. Uh, so for 2021, uh, the US is going uh, to target a seven. 8% uh, GDP uh, growth. Uh, China, uh, we say uh, just a little bit below uh, 9%, and the euro area uh, is moving uh, towards a 4.5%. Uh, um, what uh, remains unclear and where the uncertainty remains is more on the longer term. So 2022. 2023 in particular, where uh, the growth uh, figures are going to be a challenge. And this is where we're going to be uh, uh, focusing on. If we move uh, to inflation, uh, with specific uh, reference to the US, we expect it to peak in uh, Q2. So the current, uh, so the current levels are, are said to be temporary. But because we said we are at a tipping point and we are um, leaving a regime shift, Inflation is gonna be uh, gonna be higher, abating in 2022 below three percent, but always remaining between 2.5 and three percent. There are some structural forces uh, that make this uh, call uh, for for the longer term. Uh, first, uh, millennials. Uh, the millennials' court is much bigger than the baby boomers, and uh, these people are getting into their 30s which means that uh, they're creating families. And so all this uh, consumption uh, demand that eventually uh, will, uh, will be inflationary. 
Second, this is more uh, in the in the short term. It is it is related to the reopenings. Uh, the supply bottleneck uh, are there to stay. And third, we are seeing, in particular in the US, but uh, it is the case uh, also in, in Europe, so broadly speaking, in the developed markets, uh, corporates still experience pricing power, which means that uh, higher commodity prices are going to be transferred uh, to, the, uh, to the financial, uh, to the uh, final uh, clients, so that eventually corporate margins are going to be uh, maintained. What is tricky is the labor market. So uh, we've been talking uh, about the Fed. The labor market is the key priority. Uh, we are seeing some improvement, but not at the pace uh, we would like to see. Definitely July and August uh, will be uh, rather relevant in order for us and for the Fed uh, to make a proper assessment on the, of the labor market. Just keep in mind that inflation is one target, but the labor market is the second goal that the, the Fed has in mind. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. That was very clear. By the way, uh, there are possibilities uh, for the attendees uh, to ask questions huh, uh, to uh, Monica and uh, and uh, and to Vincent. Uh, otherwise, there is no fun uh, if you cannot be harassed with some questions. Uh, so uh, it's possible to address them directly uh, into into the chat box. Uh, I think the, the second question that uh, we may have in mind for the second part of the year. Uh, is that uh, we've seen also an agenda uh, and the geopolitical front uh, that was relatively heavy, uh, in particular uh, with uh, the big uh, comeback of the US uh, in the multilateral area, uh, and notably at the NATO summit, uh, we've seen President Biden trying to have uh, everyone behind the American banner against China somehow, uh, because this was the very first time that NATO, NATO indicated uh, that uh, there was a concern uh, regarding the Chinese position. So that's one thing that happened recently. The G7 summit uh, has been also important uh, and has been uh, ahead with the heads of states uh, G7 summit. There was a very important G7 uh, held by finance ministers that led to a potential little revolution on the fiscal front uh, that may have some impact in the long term uh, on corporate earnings. Uh, we are going to have at European level the German elections to design the successor uh, of Kanzler in Merkel. Uh, we have a number of elections in EM uh, that are pushing globally to the left. So, uh, by definition, the multilateral agenda is always heavy, but still, in the context of an exit of the crisis, it seems particularly heavy. So, what are the things that are in particular on your radar, Monica? Uh, when you are contemplating um, the before year end and maybe uh, on a one year basis, uh, what are the key things uh, our clients that are connected should be aware of? Uh, thank you, Jean-Jacques. Indeed, the geopolitical agenda is uh, uh, quite uh, uh, challenging, I would say, with Biden being back, uh, being really a, a game changer. Um, into this perspective, uh, it is very interesting to see how Europe will uh, emerge from this uh, new geopolitical order uh, that Biden uh, is going to establish. He wants uh, the US uh, to be back uh, in the political uh, leadership. And Europe um, is not granted where they will stand because uh, uh, during the, the G7, it was making this, uh, this strong call, but uh, Europe said, look, um, Asia is one of our uh, big uh, partners so not give for granted anything. So we really need to see how this triangle uh, eventually 
will uh, will find uh, its uh, its equilibrium. Uh, then there is a second initiative uh, that uh, the um, that Biden has been pushing, the B3W, uh, the Build Back Better, uh, which aims to um, establish an ESG standard uh, on the infrastructure and, if you want, is positioning uh, to decouple from the Belt and Road Initiative. We think that uh, the uh, B3W, uh, as, uh, as we call it, uh, won't uh, be uh, a game changer. Uh, the Belt and uh, Road Initiative started in 2013. Uh, it's, it's big. Uh, it's a 3.7 trillion US dollar. Uh, it includes uh, 100 countries. So it is not really granted how the B3W can compete uh, to the, uh, with the uh, BRI. Um, then, uh, always in Europe, and it is not a domestic bias, uh, it, it, because this is going to have an influence on the, on the global equilibrium, the UK. So the Brexit story is not over, and the UK still has to define their foreign policy. And, and again, uh, they are putting them in the middle uh, between uh, China and the, uh, and the US again. And this is as uh, to be exploited because so far, uh, no uh, big statement, a clear statement on the foreign policy for the uh, UK uh, has, been, um, has been established. Uh, then there is the geopolitical of the vaccine, which is a global uh, phenomenon. It is uh, not at all granted where we will go. Uh, this Delta variant is something uh, that uh, is, uh, is worrisome and the supply of vaccine uh, is still a uh, challenge. So uh, autumn uh, will, be, um, will be a test uh, for uh, the, the major recovery um, economy to see uh, if uh, the recovery uh, will continue or if we really do uh, worry uh, about the vaccine. India, uh, that has been hardly uh, impacted by, uh, by, by the COVID, uh, wants to be back in, uh, in the game. So uh, they have not uh, been, um, uh, they, they've not been agreeing with the Pacific uh, trade agreement, but uh, definitely uh, as, as soon as they will recover uh, from, the, uh, from the COVID, uh, this is uh, um, an economic power uh, we will need to take into, into consideration. And then in the Middle East, the situation is still uh, very unclear. We need to see the new curse uh, on, uh, on, on Israel, um, how this uh, is going to be uh, exploited and how the U.S. will deal uh, with the Middle East. So a lot on the uh, geopolitical front um, that will have spillover on the uh, economic landscape uh, when it goes to the B3W and, and India, for example, and eventually the U.K. Thanks. And I think also one very important topic on the geopolitical front uh, for this year, uh, taking a little bit my uh, ESG hat, uh, is, uh, of course, uh, the Glasgow uh, Conference of the Parties that will happen at the beginning of November. Uh, and this is something uh, that needs to be taken into account when looking at the macro scenario, because fundamentally, uh, uh, the agenda that will uh, probably emerge from Glasgow uh, may participate uh, to uh, the general inflation story uh, that uh, you started to elaborate on. There is a first question uh, we have, but I think I'm going to uh, pass it just afterwards, uh, because uh, I think at this point in time, it would be interesting to get uh, Vincent's view. Uh, so despite the fact that we have higher inflation uh, and the Fed, uh, markets have been uh, relatively calm. Uh, one could even say that they've been a little boring uh, recently. Uh, so maybe it's uh, due to the level of uncertainty. 
So do you think there is uh, something that is broken in markets uh, at the moment? Uh, and can you explain to us how you have positioned the portfolios, uh, particularly after the Fed announcements, uh, to deal with this moment uh, and the different views that were expressed by, by Monica for the next six months? Yes, sure. <clears throat> Indeed, uh, boring, it's, uh, I tend to say that I agree. Huh? It's a boring and, uh, I mean, a toxic in a way market because I mean, we are in a Goldilocks situation. So meaning uh, investors uh, are, are still uh, fairly believing that we, have, we will have higher growth, lower inflation, a trend, and negative rates, uh, real rates, deeply negative rates forever. So that's a perfect scenario. And as regards the virus, markets have been in a way vaccinated with not, not two, but I mean, multiple jobs um, uh, against any bad surprises on the virus because of central banks and uh, government interventions everywhere. So uh, in a way, it's uh, in, in Fed we trust. You know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, there is a, an awful amount of trust. And by the way, last week when the Fed announced, we had uh, something very uh, unusual, which was a, a bull flattening. And in fact, the so long-term rates decreased, while short-term rates increased a little bit, and, and the curve flattened. Why? Because people said, okay, the Fed will start to act, but it's good news finally, because they will manage to get inflation back below their target levels. And then everything is perfect. Growth will be uh, infinite because um, stimulus, infrastructure funding, blah, blah. And then, um, so it's uh, as Jean-Jacques uh, mentioned, Barry White, huh? it's, uh, let's let the music, the music play. So the music is playing uh, and uh, people are dancing and everything is fine. So um, uh, we should be aware about this kind of complacency because the level of cash in the system is just enormous. And markets have been addicted to this level of cash. And whenever there would be the start of tightening of financial conditions, then, you know, it's like a drug addict. Huh? They, I think um, uh, tough time will, uh, will start to come uh, and anticipation will start to become more nervous. Uh, and we can have a repricing of the risk premium. Um, and some bubbles here or there can, um, can, of course, explode. So far, the question is not if, it's more when. But you know, it's a one million, one trillion uh, dollar question uh, because uh, it's one of the most difficult things to predict is when. But we are pretty clear that I mean, uh, this alignment of planets won't last forever, and there will be at one moment in time some wake-up call, like who will pay back uh, the debt accumulated and how. Is it through inflation? Uh, is it through higher taxes? Is it through uh, debt forgiveness? But uh, one way or another, there will need to be some solutions. Because as Monica mentioned, and that's something very important, and we are not aligned with the consensus in it, we believe that as, as soon as mid-2022, the growth at trend will come back to the long-term potential. So meaning in the US, less than 2% really, Less than 2% yearly. In China, 6%. And in parallel, we also believe that inflation will uh, trend higher than what the consensus is uh, building. Monica mentioned 2.5 to 3% level. Um, so it's more than 2% target level. And this can last for quite a long time. So we, 
lower gross higher inflation, um, it's a cocktail which uh, won't, won't be positive uh, for uh, all uh, risky assets. So in this context, to be, to be prepared for the when, uh, we have adopted uh, in the last uh, months, or we said two months, a more balanced approach, I would say, more diversification, uh, risks uh, which are neutral overall, if we compare to benchmarks. And more importantly, we, we, are, we, we have continued to build on the uh, reflection trades, but, but in, a, in a subtle way. So meaning we buy clearly some value, but not all the value or the quality in the value. We buy as well, and we bought back uh, quite a lot of high dividend pay names. So if you've got good visibility, it's better. We also um, uh, embarked um, in, in the bottom-up processes, more into names which are leaders or which have a very good positioning in the market because they will be able to pass on some prices better than others. So inflation won't hurt them as much. We have also, um, on a, on a, and, and I think something we need to comment uh, further later, but um, on the emerging space, we believe it's time to embark uh, into Asia on, on, on local and hard currency, but also local currencies. And we have, um, on, on the credit part, so the question is about uh, I mean, selectivity and diversification. Um, as well, in, in particular on the multi-asset portfolios, um, I mean, today, volatility is super cheap, but very, very cheap. Even term volatility, so six months, one year, is cheap. So uh, a, a nice way to diversify and protect portfolios is to, uh, indeed, to, uh, to have some uh, volatility trades. It can be... Um, 80% uh, put option one year, for example. Um, it does not cost you a lot, and it's a good way to protect. And lastly, even though it's a, it's a, I know it's not a very consensual trade, uh, we continue to think that there is value in gold. In particular, if you believe there is uh, some uh, stagflationary environment coming, it's a possibility, it's not for sure. And by the way, we much prefer gold than Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin is not for us the digital gold, huh, to be clear. Um, so, uh, so let, let's, let's, let's stick to the uh, traditional uh, physical gold than to digital uh, things. Um, so that's in, in, a way, in, in a nutshell uh, where we are. So diversification, um, um, lower, low, lower risk. Um, on, on the currency part, uh, it's difficult to play uh, naturally, yeah? so we have some conflicting views on the US dollar, but we can, we can come back to it later. But, uh, and, but for emerging market currencies, uh, we are more positive than we used to be yeah? for, uh, for, uh, for fundamental reasons, and in particular, the Chinese Yuan, but again, we can come back to it. Thanks, Asa, but we still uh, start to have a number of questions that are popping around, so we'll try to cover them, uh, to cover them in, the, in the context of, uh, of the conversation. And I think when it comes to Bitcoin, I think at some point in time, uh, one, uh, one, one person at, uh, at Amundi or CIO called it a farce. I don't know exactly how the farce is going to end, but uh, clearly uh, the farce uh, is, is possible. I was going to, uh, to ask uh, Monica, uh, basically, uh, what are, I would say, the main concerns that you have at the moment uh, that could change substantially your central scenario? Uh, uh, and I would like you, Monica, to answer to that question. And by the same time, elaborating uh, with the, on one of the questions that was asked, uh, which is regarding the reflation trade. 
so uh, maybe it's a concern that you have uh, that uh, the uh, inflation might be underestimated. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, and yes. uh, on the other things that might make this central scenario move. And then afterwards, uh, Vincent, I would like to, you to elaborate on that as well. Um, to answer your, your first question, what uh, are we worried about is uh, to uh, underestimate inflation and overestimate mm -hmm. growth, because this uh, would, uh, would lead us to a kind of slumpflation, stagflationary style Uh, scenario before um, before uh, our expectation and the market uh, will uh, start to price in accordingly. So this is by far uh, my my biggest concern. Uh, the reason is that there are some micro determinants on on inflation and and some changes that are really difficult uh, to uh, to pencil in. So uh, this is by far uh, my biggest uh, concern. Still. In the uh, medium term is the solvency and the uh, zombie uh, companies creation that might uh, spill over into a financial uh, crisis. This has been in our uh, wall of worries for a long time since, since last year. Uh, what is happening here is that uh, the uh, central bank's uh, ultra accommodation is allowing uh, zombie companies uh, to, to survive which eventually will prove to be detrimental to, to productivity. So this is another risk. And as Vincent uh, uh, was mentioning, the debt sustainability, if uh, uh, we are not able uh, to engineer an higher productivity, uh, this definitely uh, uh, can uh, turn out uh, into uh, um, an opportunity uh, loss in terms of growth and will, uh, will eventually Uh, create uh, some pressure on the on the debt side, more uh, maybe in in Europe than uh, than the US uh, for the architecture of the of the euro area. Uh, to answer to the reflation trade, I think that's already uh, um, Vincent mentioned it. Uh, um, the, the gold, this Goldilocks uh, scenario remains in place uh, because uh, central banks uh, um, remain accommodative, but. Again, we are reaching uh, a, a tipping point. So uh, maybe it won't be a story for 2021, uh, but likely in 2022. Okay, thanks. Vincent, on your side, I would say your main concerns uh, regarding the central scenario. Each day, each day after day, we are uh, clearly uh, we are closer to some uh, disruptions. Uh, we don't know, uh, you know, it's like the butterfly effect, and we don't know exactly... Uh, from which part of the world it will come, but it will come. Um, and I, I'm getting a little bit uh, more and more uncomfortable uh, with some metrics or some parameters. And I think the central banks are trapped in a way. They, um, they, and, and they will be more and more trapped. What is also uh, pretty fascinating uh, is to, to, to see the disconnect between all the cash put in the system, which is again massive, And the micro liquidity we can witness ourselves in the marketplace, which is in fact not that high and it is diminishing. Mm -hmm. And in a way, we have markets which are one-sided, very crowded. So people want to buy the same thing at the same moment and want to exit at the same moment of the same things. This is not very healthy because we don't have a good offer and demand mechanisms. Central banks are also playing a big role because they are huge buyers of some assets. And, and, and this um, uh, clearly, Uh, and we saw it in the last period. When, when, uh, when we have some uh, 
Shox, euh, Bayer, ça a disappearing, in a way. And, and this, this might cause some issues. So that's why, as I said, we continue to be very, very focused and, uh, and, 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 and concerned and, co and cautious regarding the, the liquidity management of our products. Uh, because we should not, uh, we, should, we should not think that um, this topic uh, will not reappear big time uh, in the next months. So keep this in mind, huh, because uh, a market is valid until, um, uh, I mean, until you got someone to hit or to, to buy. I mean, uh, so uh, then because you have a price on Bloomberg, that it is a price which is uh, actionable for your own investment. Um, then, then uh, we've got for sure some bubbles. Some are, have started to explode, uh, some. But I would say the ones which exploded are the most obvious ones. So where uh, it was a little bit crazy, like some SPACs, some uh, Bitcoin was divided by two uh, in the last period. So it was, <coughs> it was needed in a way, but we are not at all yet done. Huh? There, are, there are lots of areas of excesses that are, that are built, built, built in. So, um, and as you mentioned, for us, the reflection trade is not over. So, uh, even though market participants are saying uh, you should shift to something else, uh, come back to growth, etc. So, we are still, uh, I mean, we believe it, we are still at the start of the rotation uh, and more, more to come. So, don't, uh, don't give up uh, this. We are still short duration. That's also not totally consensual today. We are still short duration in our portfolios. Um, even though I mean, it has been painful uh, in the last week, huh? but, uh, but we are happy to stay. We have not changed at all. So we continue to be short duration uh, for this reason. So it's painful, but still happy. No, go, go ahead, uh, Monica. No, no, I just wanted to add on and emphasize a message that we included in the outlook. This reflection trade has to be played in relative terms, which yes. means we are not taking big directional risk, but uh, we are quite active in the, in the relative space. And if I look to, uh, for example, uh, the, the um, cross-asset portfolios, this is played on the, on the effects, for example, mm -hmm. which by nature uh, are, are relative, uh, are relative uh, per se. So uh, being very active in the relative space is what uh, we claim uh, to be the, most the more appropriate uh, positioning under uh, current market conditions. Okay, thanks. Uh, maybe, Vincent, I have another mm -hmm. question for you, and we will need also to elaborate a little uh, on a question that was asked by, by the audience. Uh, it's uh, regarding uh, regarding China uh, in particular. Uh, so I think it's been a while that we're advocating uh, that uh, a number of Chinese assets should be more and more uh, at the heart of any portfolio, uh, as the way uh, as US tip used to be uh, or is still. Uh, it's uh, it's important to have them as core elements uh, of the portfolio. What are uh, your uh, views uh, regarding, uh, I would say, Chinese market at large? And more specifically, elaborating on the question that was raised, uh, what are uh, your views regarding the potential, uh, I would say, uh, appreciation potential uh, of the Chinese currency, uh, despite PBOC's guidance? Huh? I think uh, one of the big claims that we have at MND is to say that uh, China is at the moment uh, doing a monetary and an economic policy that looks pretty much like the German one uh, in uh, pre-euro. Uh, pre uh, so what are your views there? And do you think there is a potential of appreciation uh, of yeah. uh, the local uh, Chinese currency market? Yeah. So indeed, uh, I believe that that's one of the most important questions uh, that investors should, should, uh, 
should ask to themselves and, and to monitor. And, and it's fair to say that we, we talk only about the Fed, the ECB, blah, 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 but we, for, we try to forget collectively yeah, about China, while China is a game changer, a short, medium, long term. So um, uh, what is striking to, to, to see is that the divergence uh, of policies between the US and China has not been that, that, that well spotted. China today, PBOC, the central bank, is clearly in the orthodox camp. They, uh, they, they did not embark into QE. They maintain a rate policy where real rates in China are 2, 2.5% positive. Positive, huh? it's unique. Huh? I mean, uh, something uh, any investor in Europe or US will, uh, will dream of. Um, and they have also started some, uh, some tightening, actually, of financial conditions in order to pilot the, uh, the growth and the activity. Um, just to give you an illustration, because I think it's very striking, you take a step back. After 2008, you know, after the great financial crisis, the balance sheet of PBOC was 70% of their GDP. The balance sheet of the Fed was uh, 10% of their GDP. Today, the balance sheet of the Fed is 40% of the GDP, so four times higher, while the balance sheet of, of PBOC is 40%, so the same level. So from 70 to 40. So now, I mean, you can see the, 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 the divergence. I said that China has, has, has had more growth, of course, but nevertheless, this, this is a, a big difference. So, so in theory, uh, given these metrics, the Chinese yuan should strengthen. And we believe it will strengthen, but in an organized manner. No, no one has interest to have a shock and a, a, a much weaker dollar. Um, even though it may happen ultimately, but it will be it will be uh, it will be controlled and managed. And by the way, uh, just to give you one example, which is very striking, you know, Chinese corporates are, make, are making an awful amount of money uh, exporting. And today, uh, since one year, on average, every month there is 100 billion of dollars generated by Chinese companies, which are kept offshore and not change back into yuan and, 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 and it's a clear directive from the authorities there not to put pressure on the yuan not to buy back the yuan so that's one example but I mean, the Chinese government is wants to monitor this parameter so they will accept some drift but just some drift um, you need also to keep in mind uh, that um, China is um, a country which is planning a lot, and they have a long-term objective. They, they can afford this, given the way China is managed. So it's a luxury, in a way. And they have clear medium-term objectives, uh, which are, by the way, uh, public, hein? so it's not a secret. Hein? Um, they have embarked 10 years ago into the um, interna internationalization of the UN. Uh, it is on the way. It will happen. They will establish it at the, look, at the reference currency in Asia and then a challenger to US dollar medium long term. So here it's not for the next six months, right? it's for uh, medium long term. But nevertheless, you should be aware of these trends because today, buying Chinese assets in yuan, you have a double positive effect on the currency, medium term, and also on the asset in itself for bonds 
its uh, very uh, attractive yields. And on equities, you can buy some decent growth at a cheaper level than in the US. And for example, if you take the, 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 the technology sector in, the, in China, you know, the Alibaba, Tencent, etc. They have already, they already suffered the regulatory impact. If you, I mean, uh, I don't know personally Jack Ma, I wish, uh, I, but I mean, I think he, he can testimony that he, he has already suffered the regulatory blow. It's not the case of US big tech. But US big tech will have some headwinds in regulation, uh, in taxation, etc. In China, it has happened. So it is in the price. So today, I mean, if you, had, if you have to choose between a big tech in US or in China, for me, the choice is obvious. Really. Um, so um, for valuation purposes, for regulation purposes, and um, medium long term strategy um, of authorities and uh, Forex, China is, uh, is uh, for sure becoming a key pillar of investment. And by the way, uh, our portion managers, but also our clients, more and more, they want to allocate money to a Chinese pillar independently from the emerging market. So, uh, emerging market is a concept more and more of the past. It's a concept which is, uh, I mean, what is in common between Brazil, Turkey, South Africa, Russia, and China? Uh, honestly, nothing. Nothing. So, uh, so um, more and more, in particular, uh, big investors, they are managing a Chinese pillar, an Indian pillar, uh, Eastern Europe, LATAM, but, but each pillar, per se, for its own merits, with its own allocation. And that will, uh, that will, uh, it's a trend which will dominate. So, uh, so, and in this picture, of course, China for us is a, is a core allocation to be, to be, to be put uh, for all these reasons. Okay, thanks, Vincent. I, th I think we're going to come back to a related question, uh, which is uh, your views uh, on, uh, on dollar uh, and on euros as well, uh, because uh, by, by definition, it has a direct link to what we just uh, discussed. But, but to come back uh, to Monica, uh, there is one question uh, that uh, appeared uh, on the screen. Uh, oh, it's, uh, it's a traditional, mm -hmm. in French, you would call it a tarte à la crème, uh, cream tart, complicated to, uh, to, to, to translate, uh, which is the question about the commodity super cycle. Uh, so, uh, first, do you believe into it? Uh, and second, it would be interesting to hear your views on how you make the assessment uh, of uh, this uh, potential cycle uh, and notably uh, the uh, green transition agenda. Uh, because uh, in the short term, uh, I think we can see more and more pressure uh, on the uh, upside, uh, on the prices uh, of a number of fossil, capaci uh, of fossil uh, prices due to the fact that progressively the capacities are going to get more and more constraints. If you look at the last report of the uh, International Agency for uh, Energy, uh, it's calling for stopping any new developments uh, into fossil. So this may have very strong implications. And this was particularly remarkable for an institution that uh, usually uh, was uh, particularly uh, oil friendly, if you allow me that expression. So can you elaborate a little bit uh, on the tartare creme and commodity super cycle and maybe in connection in particular uh, with uh, the climate change agenda? Yeah, I think uh, that the uh, commodity supercycle is strictly related uh, to the greening uh, economy. 
and this make uh, the calls for base metals, for example, uh, to uh, to move uh, to move higher. So all those commodities that uh, are going to be uh, related uh, to the greening economy will see uh, demand moving up and therefore uh, price. Uh, in the short term, uh, we have seen some uh, um, supply shortages that were more related uh, to the COVID situation. I'm, to, I'm referring to copper, for example, and, uh, and, and LATAM. But we think there is a strong structural trend in demand uh, for those uh, commodities that uh, are uh, related to the green economy, because this is a trend that is global. It is not, uh, it went beyond Europe into the US, into, into Asia, into China. So demand is uh, gonna uh, point uh, to to north. Uh, then there is another commodity we are looking at, which is gold. We decided years ago uh, to have a gold structurally in uh, in our uh, portfolios, and then temper uh, the the sizing accordingly to to the rational. One of the key reasons, the key themes, while. Uh, we uh, we have been uh, having uh, uh, gold in our portfolio was related uh, to the turbocharged monetary policy. Uh, there is a one-to-one -one relation. Uh, the uh, balance sheet expansion uh, from a central bank implies gold uh, to to move higher. Uh, this has been uh, softening uh, uh, rather recently, but if inflation uh, is going to surprise us on the upside, we think that for this reason. Um, gold will prove to be uh, a good uh, a good edge. And last on oil, uh, oil. How we think uh, we are asking me uh, for for a target: uh, 65-70% uh, US dollar, maybe 75. Uh, if you allow me some volatility in the in the forecast, uh, is a, a rather rational uh, target we have in mind. Uh, on uh, on oil, there are two factors uh, that are uh, waiting: the reopening of the uh, of the economy, so transportation uh, on one side, and the geopolitical order uh, that is tempering the demand and supply supply uh, dynamics. So, I hope this answers uh, your questions. It, uh, thanks, Monica. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm being uh, uberized or, dis or, uh, or uh, directly, uh, I would say, disrupted as a moderator because there are some questions that are directed directly to you. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I I'm going to, uh, to just be the ventriloquist of a question uh, of uh, uh, Paolo from Brosi. Uh, I hope my Italian pronunciation was correct. Uh, with uh, which, uh, And um, Paolo is asking you uh, your reaction or your interpretation uh, on Powell's last press conference and the reaction uh, of the market to it. Well, uh, I think that uh, Powell really, uh, and the Fed, uh, is delivering uh, in order to smooth uh, the, the communication to, to the market, um, to prepare the market for a change in the monetary policy that uh, in action, will be put in action in 2022. So uh, within the communication uh, might be amended in August. Uh, I was mentioning before the importance of the labor market. And uh, as for us, uh, July and August will be important for the Fed uh, to make uh, a, a proper assessment. I think we should disentangle uh, the quantity from the rates. So quantitative easing, we think will be the first layer uh, that the Fed will, uh, will play out in, uh, in uh, 2022. And rates will, will come afterwards. And as Powell said, uh, there is not much 
uh, to see into the, the dots, and I agree uh, with that. Uh, the hiking cycle will be strictly related to the inflation dynamic, and I think uh, that today is a bit too early uh, in order uh, to 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 call for uh, rate hikes even in 2023-2022. Uh, and in fact, uh, the Fed this week was, again, quite rich in terms of a governor's speeches. What might be uh, a risk is that there is no really an alignment uh, within the, uh, the Fed board members. But again, disentangle rates from quantities and quant quantitative easing to come, uh, to come first. Okay, thank you very much. And thanks, Paolo, for the, the kind reaction to my Italian pronunciation. It's um, Barbieris is Greek, yeah, but it's not that far from Bar Barbieri. So the, there, is a, there is an origin somewhere that, that might explain. Uh, uh, maybe uh, one last question uh, that uh, is being raised and uh, which is a, a key one, um, which uh, is uh, on, uh, I would say, the level uh, of the dollar. Uh, and also its link, uh, and, and therefore also, uh, I would say, the level of, uh, of, the, uh, of the euro. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, Vincent, for That's, that uh, one, it's, yeah. uh, this one is uh, complicated, uh, yes. controversial, yes. internally debated. <laughs> Uh, and so, therefore, uh, it's, uh, we're going to ask you to jump into the pool and to put uh, your hand on the table on that. So, uh, okay. what are your views on the, on the dollar? So, I mean, we need to be humble. Huh? Uh, the forex market is, by experience, the most difficult one to predict. Huh? So, but nevertheless, uh, we need to... The best prediction uh, yeah. is the last price. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, euro-dollar. Euro I mean, first, in the context where, again, the, the Chinese... Uh, B is piloted. So, I mean, forget this part of the equation. Huh? Um, I mean, there is a pass, huh? and, 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 and PUSC has a means to, uh, to uh, massage uh, or to pilot the, the, uh, its currency. Euro-dollar is clearly the battle of the week, in a way. I mean, we've got uh, uh, big accommodations, um, uh, expansions on one hand, but also on the other hand. So, uh, in a way, it's who will be the weakest not will be the strongest. Um, uh, to this game, short term, and we have seen it, by the way, uh, in the last week, US dollar um, uh, has probably some legs um, short term. And by the way, if you have some financial uh, stress, uh, US dollar will continue to be uh, a safe haven or a kind of reserve, uh, with ultimate reserve policy. And there is also, it's fair to say, some demand, continuing demand for US dollar based assets. So, uh, short term, there is no big reasons why the US dollar should collapse for these technical reasons. Um, uh, so, I mean, and our own views for uh, that, that is on this lovely paper. Again, um, our own views is that US dollar end of the year will be uh, 116, 118 range compared to euro. We are, in fact, it is stable compared to today, uh, more or less. I mean, today it's at 119, uh, so very close to it. If you take a longer term view, so uh, some multiple years view, um, we believe that US dollar should weaken. Uh, and again, maybe not brutally, but, but gradually, when you look at all the metrics, the tune deficits, the um, uh, the way the economy will uh, will shape um, uh, at trend uh, US dollar should there is no reasons uh, that for the US dollar to strengthen a lot compared to the euro 
on a relative basis, given also what you have in mind for Europe. So, so if, if I had to put a gamble, um, uh, 125, 130 level, uh, medium term is, uh, is something which should be fair. Thanks, But, Vincent. Uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, again, we need to be humble. Huh? I mean, there are two markets which are always difficult, is currencies and commodities. Huh? No, but your forecast was noted and recorded, and, yes. your, and your humility <laughs> and your humility as well. So that's uh, that's perfect. And my bonus will lead to it. Maybe one last uh, element. Uh, if uh, we come back uh, to our very uh, nice uh, hot air balloon carbon neutral paper, uh, I, I think uh, it's. Uh, if I, my last questions would be to to both of you. Um, For the people that are listening to us, what are the things that are not consensual into uh, our uh, forecast uh, before the end uh, of uh, this year? What are the things on which you believe uh, that Amundi uh, has, uh, I would say, a different posi position than the consensus? This question was not prepared in advance. No, huh? no, no. So that's why Monica is looking at the sky, uh, <laughs> wondering what it could be. So what are the things on which we're not consensual? Mm -hmm. Alors, Vincent, start first. Want, Monica uh, is thinking. As you want. Uh, okay. Um, And when you when you when you dig into the paper, I mean, there are quite a lot of things. I mean, you got consensus where we are not very uh, aligned or consensual. Uh, first of all, is uh, this regulation trade, which indeed is, uh, has been a little bit abandoned by the by the market participants. In a way, we are still sticking to it, um, and we don't see reasons to to change. So that's the first difference, I would say. Our forecast of growth and inflation is also different. Uh, are not for this year, but you know, markets end of the year or the summertime or end of the year will bake figures for next year or the year after. So, I mean, uh, that's why it matters today. So, um, I hope we won't have a hot summer, uh, except on the beach, etc. But I mean, for the, for the market, but the wake up call might be a little bit difficult. So, on this one, we are not totally, uh, we are not totally um, uh, aligned with the consensus. Consensus is much more. Uh, Constructive, I would say. Um, uh, so that's the second uh, dimension. Um, on, on cryptocurrencies, we are not totally aligned as well, hein, if I may say. Hein. Some, uh, some big brokers are much more constructive than we are. Uh, Particularly some brokers that are claiming themselves as going to net zero, which for me with yes. Bitcoin is something that is always a little complicated for me to understand. But this is a, 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 a challenge. A challenge, let's say. Uh, Monica, what do, you, what, is, what do you see as controversial in a way in, in what we are I think I think the US dollar. Definitely, there is no consensus uh, on the US dollar, but uh, the call for having uh, a stronger uh, US dollar in, in the short term um, is, is definitely uh, not, uh, not consensual. And uh, also, how long this uh, short term uh, will, uh, will be preserved before a between deficit uh, theme will play out as uh, a depreciation force uh, for the uh, US dollar. Um, another um, interest rates level, the, the Treasury. Again, there is no consensus uh, around uh, the, the Treasury. Uh, we have this uh, uh, call um, that is uh, adversal in the current uh, direction because uh, uh, we are pointing uh, to higher rates uh, in, the, uh, in the US, 2.1, 2.30, which is not yes. uh, for granted. And it's right. not, That's a big difference. Uh, mm. Yeah, you're right. It's a big difference. And you know, rates and particularly real rates are the mother of all battles. 
So okay. maybe there are, uh, because I don't want to leave the uh, questions unanswered. Uh, uh, so same. maybe last one, there is one question regarding some uh, mm -hmm. subordinated debt. Yeah. Uh, so do you see a still value at current levels, Vincent? Yes and no. <laughs> no. I know it's not an answer. Thank you for this straightforward <laughs> answer. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, but only for um, for uh, corporates and banks where we are uh, we are uh, constructive on the um, uh, credit uh, worthiness. So meaning here the risk is really digital. Um, so for corporates which are uh, which are or, or for systematic uh, or for systemic banks. Uh, Corporates which are in a, in a good uh, in a good condition, I would say. Uh, I mean, uh, subordinated debt is offering some interesting yield for sure on a relative basis. Uh, but beware, whenever there will be question marks regarding the solvency uh, or even the survival uh, of the given uh, corporate or bank, then you can lose a lot, of course. So it, it's a it's a, it's a, It's a risk reward that needs to be uh, very well uh, crafted. So uh, here, uh, selectivity is, is all the more key, even more than other markets. Um, but if well selected and well managed, um, uh, subordinated debt uh, for me should be uh, core in, um, in long-term portfolios, for sure. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I think we're uh, at the end uh, of our conversation because there are no more uh, questions. Uh, and uh, to use an expression of Vincent, as basically uh, we're still dancing on the markets and in Europe, that's the only place where we are allowed to dance. Uh, we wish to all uh, the possibility that we continue dancing until the end of the summer in any case. Uh, thank you very much for your participation. Monica, thank you very much uh, for being with us uh, from Milan. Vincent, thank you very much uh, as well. Uh, we wish you all uh, in between uh, an excellent uh, summer. Uh, if we have not the possibility uh, to be connected with you all together before that, uh, and have a great day uh, wherever you are in Europe or in Asia. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.